Icky Icky, throw it in the air. It's the Luke and Pete Show, we're back once again. Luke and Pete 17, baby. I'm Mike D and I'm a Scorpio. Try and stop me. Kissing you, Mike D. You alright, Luke? You alright? You alright? You feeling good? I feel alright, mate. <laughs> oh, it's been uh, a whole week since we um, heard from you last. I said heard from you shouted at you spoke yeah. at you uh, I hope you're enjoying these shows because uh, we enjoy putting them together every week one of the two Mike D lines I could have done was that one or right. my name is Mike D and I'm the lady's choice I didn't think, <laughs> think I could pull that one off what's so. after the lady's choice I'm not even a Scorpio is it, I like to get next to you like Rolls Royce <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a Rolls Royce no like Rolls Royce as in pull up to my bumper uh, I think, I think. But I'm, that's I, clever. This is off the dome piece, Pete. I, I, off I, I, the dome piece. I haven't planned for it. I, I, I stopped, I, for some reason I haven't said this is straight off the dome piece for a while. Or oh, some, some flyboy was giving I it know. on Twitter. Someone on Twitter, oh, Luke doesn't say that anymore. Because I, like, I, I said, oh, what did I say, what do I say, what do I say, what do I say? Brrr, oh yeah, when I say something simple, it's simple and unalloyed. Okay, yeah. Uh, and somebody got upset about that. But to be honest... I am in, and we're both in radio studios, all podcast studios, all the time, so we are going to occasionally repeat the same thing over and over again. I reckon if you forensically listen to Stephen Fry, even he would do it. I, I bet there he wouldn't. Oh, I bet he wouldn't. There are only a so amount of, so, so, certain amount of words in the world. Oh, I bet he wouldn't. But I think he's just getting to the rhythm of something. You sort of go, look, this is going to be five. There's a turn of phrase that works for you. Just use go it. Go with it. Be yourself. That's how catchphrases work. Be yourself. For crying out loud. Is that your catchphrase then? Simple and unalloyed. It's, no, not, it's, my, not, a, it's not a great one, is it? My my catchphrase is "Goodness me!" I did a, uh, I did like a live uh, thing for a video game company called IGN, and it was the launch of Final Fantasy XV uh, uh, late last year. And I was totally jet lagged because I just come off holiday. It sounds like a now. porno, Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> it does a little bit. But it's a long running Japanese role play. I think game, I played one of them back uh, in the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Japanese video games. Well, they're just going for fucking ages. Yeah, cut it down. What were you going to say? Brevity, solo wit, guys. Uh, yeah, and I, I was really jet lagged, and I didn't have that much sleep. And uh, so basically, it was just this big celebration of this game, and I was doing like a live show that went uh, on the internet. You know, loads of people watching. It. About it was about as well uh, covered as uh, anything I've ever done. And it well, was that, that's, on, that's not a huge statement. I know, but there was, there was <laughs> enough. There was enough people there, and also uh, it was being broadcast uh, in cinemas right across uh, Europe as well. Yeah. And so things would be happening, showing you gameplay video from the game and stuff, and I'm coming off the back of that. And I was so tired, I didn't know right where I was. So I was giving myself time to think about where I was, where I was going, what I was going to say next. And I kept on saying, Goodness me, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and I must have said, Goodness me, about 50 times. <laughs> there was like 10, 11 links. Did anyone pick up on about, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, the okay. internet does not miss out on stuff like that. No. So I was the goodness me, man. And you've still goodness got a cold. Me. You're known as the cold man. The cold man. You've been, you've been at a cold for about two weeks. Well, I've just got back off holiday, haven't I? Because it's been. It's been. Ick bin, it's been. It's been what? <laughs> I've been in, uh, I've been in Japan, been older, been oh, in Japan. For my it's been, before you go into Japan, if you don't All mind. All right then. Well, you don't mind, because this is a really quick one. I, re- I remembered yesterday or the day before that I went to a Star Wars exhibition. Right. And I forgot to tell you about is it. Is it the one at the R2? It, it, no, uh, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I've not been, but... Have you heard about everyone it? Everyone said it was wicked. Well, I'll tell you what is so good for those listening at home who haven't heard of it. It's called Star Wars Identities. I'm not sure if it's still on now. Um, but I went a number of weeks ago, and I completely forgot to tell you guys about it. Um, and the reason it's so good is because... You get a fuck C-3PO. Peter! <laughs> He's built. You ruined the punchline. 
it's got um, it's got well, two, there's three reasons it's so good, right? One is because it's two, got, two of them is Jar Jar Binks. It's got isn't it, it's <laughs> your, it's a Jar Jar Binks. He isn't it actually? Is he? Yeah, right. um, that's not one of the reasons. Uh, one is that it shows all the um, sketches and working out ah. for all the characters, and, yeah. and fascinating. And I'm not a massive Star Wars head. However, uh, the good the good lady Mrs. Luke is right. And um, so we went along. I went along with her. And um, one of the fascinating things about the sketching and the and the character development of the particular characters was in Yoda's case, right, right up until um, the sh- essentially f- shooting. Um, Yoda was like a weird old man gnome. Yes, I think I have seen something. It's like that. embarrassingly shit. I, it's, it's really funny. He well, lives in a the, garden gnome. Well, do you remember the original? Uh, it was a big fat chap, a uh, big fat slug. Jabba yeah. the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt. Like he was, a, he was a dude, wasn't he? He just looked like a, he looked like uh, the, the the man drunk king in Game of Thrones. Oh, Baratheon. Yeah, yeah he just looked yeah. like him. Like, yeah. He would walk around and stuff, and then they, I think they superimposed him in, didn't they, or something like that? No, I think he was. I think he was in the original one, but I, no. that, that was probably part of the character. Okay, right. But the second reason it was really good is because I caught a few. Um, Original costumes, which yes, is cool to okay. see. One of the things I always find about that is that um, they're always so small. The actors are always so small. Oh, yeah, they're tight. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Princess yeah. Leia's costume, she must have been absolutely ridiculously <laughs> small. Anyway, but the third reason, and the main reason why it's so good, is because when you go in, you get a wristband. Right. So you get an earpiece so you, to go around with, but you get a wristband. And whenever you see uh, a certain symbol, you hold a wristband, uh, your wristband over the sensor. Right. And it asks you a few questions on like a little iPad about right. yourself, right? And uh, I think there's ten of these. Right. And at the end, you walk out at the end into a big uh, open sort of um, area with a screen. Yeah. And it gives you your own Star Wars character. <gasps> it's brilliant. What? It, as it gives you uh, who you are most yeah. like? Ba- no, no, no. It gives you an ex- a new one. Oh. Based on your own experiences. Like your own Luke, sort of- Luke the Bounty Hunter. So I was, I was a, um, a senator. <laughs> I was given a senator. That's, and you were not democratically elected to that, Luke. I'm not having that in the slightest. And Mrs. Lukey was a Jedi fighter pilot. Cooler. So she, like so, a million times cooler. She, so she won. You were basically yeah. a civil servant. Yeah, she won. And she was a badass. Yeah, I basically looked like a poor man's Ewan McGregor, who was a senator, and she looked like a really hot Jedi fighter pilot. So she <laughs> won. But anyway, it was really good. I, I mean, I don't know if I can recommend it, because I think it's finished now. It'll but, probably go out on tour. You know what these things are like. They're yeah. all front. I Probably once, be in Hartlepool next week. <laughs> no doubt that, that whole bit of... Uh, of, of Cold yeah. Uh, I, those things kind of go either way. I remember being in, I'll come on to talk about John, but the first uh, couple of times I went to Japan, I went to a Gundam cafe. Do you know what Gundam is? It's no. like a basically big, giant fighting robots. I don't really know, even though I really like Japan, I don't really like anime or manga or uh, technical porn. I just don't like any of those <laughs> things. I find What's it all very called? dull. Hentai. Is it called Hent- hentai? is just porn. Okay, and, also, right. and also I think hentai just means a pervy kind of person as well. Okay. Along with shikan. Is that what they call you when you're out there? <laughs> oh. They shout shikan. Hentai. I remember, I remember seeing a man with a t-shirt saying, I'm hentai man. Oh dear. So he's basically saying, I'm porno man. Oh God. Which, uh, you know, I'd wear that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to say, I've seen you wear worse t-shirts than that but, one, man. But we went to like a Gundam cafe and the problem, like, they just mess around with the food too much. So it was just like, it was like sushi. Uh, well, like kind of like katsu curry and stuff, but they... Uh, mashed and sliced up little bits of like broad beans to make it look like the helmet of a robot and stuff right. and it was the most joyless yeah. disgusting food You'd have, it looked like someone had rearranged the contents of a nappy which is what a katsu curry looks like anyway but it wasn't very nice I love a katsu curry but man. the only good thing about the Gundam Cafe was that if you went in the toilet you could press a button like really unhelpful press a button all lights go off Right. <laughs> in the whole toilet. Yeah. Like, there's five or six people in there. You press a button, the whole eyes go off, and they go... And it makes it sound like it's taken off and you're in a in, in a robot costume or something. But I people mean, are just trying to urinate. The thing is, I, I imagine 
95% of my impression of um, Japan, having never been there, is cliched like nonsense. Yeah. But that sort of story <laughs> is not helping. No, it really isn't. It's just, it's, it's weird. It's, and, it's just very strange. What, um, what does Gundam mean? I don't know. I think it's just a name. Gun, damn, damn, probably his robot. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> but what I would say is that if you ever watch uh, like a film, I've probably said this before, but if you ever watch a film like uh, Lost in Translation, yeah, we sort of say, oh, yes, this iconic Japanese set film. Yeah. It's like all of the places are like the most obvious tourist traps. <laughs> oh, they like really? The robot okay. cafe. It, we like filming. It's like Love Actually, isn't it? Like you sort of see uh, well, Notting Hill, Hill and all those places. Yeah. Like, oh. Well, that's well, very obvious, isn't well, it? Notting Hill is the film Notting Hill, but all right, uh, yeah. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like every shot is in front of the House of Parliament. Yeah, that's something like that. Yeah, I went to Japan, Luke. That's about to it say. won't surprise you. I've just come out from Japan. Have you seen that that, that show, um, Prime Minister's Questions? That's no, really cliche. That? I mean, it's all shot in Parliament. <laughs> really is a cliche. Parliament TV, a whole bloody channel <laughs> yeah. dedicated to it. But you went to Japan, I, I went know. to Japan, and it, um, this is a story. That's... I know you've been to Japan because it means i got to do a load more work. Hey, don't be rude. <laughs> I pull me weight when I'm around. Yeah, uh, true. So, uh, yeah, uh, I want to talk about a dog, a special dog. Okay. We're not going to talk about decapitated foxes or being rude Stop to cats. Stop bringing it up. Being Stop. rude to cats. Well, they, that's another one that people got annoyed about. Yeah, well, you keep they bringing will. it up. <laughs> they will. Uh, so, uh, the first time I went to Japan, I was very taken with the story. And I kind of forgot about it, to be honest. But outside the main station uh, that I usually stay, Shibuya, uh, is, is basically a, an effigy of a, a dog, a special dog, Hachiko. Okay. Hachiko the dog, uh, he was an Akita dog. Uh, oh, they're cool, is, though. It's like, you know those Doge uh, dogs that were very big on the internet? They're Shibas. Yeah. Is it Shiba? Shiba Inu? Shiba, yeah, Shibas. And uh, they are like smaller versions of these big old furry dogs, basically. And he was uh, much like our very own uh, Greyfire Eyes Bobby. You know that story, Greyfriars Bobby, where uh, a dog would, uh, you know, wait at his uh, master's grave for like 13 oh, years after yeah. he died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, around Edinburgh, there's like loads of pictures, loads of uh, statues of uh, Greyfriars Bobby. I didn't Bobby. know that was what it was called, but I know what you mean. Greyfriars Bobby. Yeah. And, and, and basically, this dog was also remembered for his loyalty to his owner. Basically, Hatchie means eight and core uh, or core means uh, affection. He was a dog who managed to save his own species effectively just by being awesome and being like dedicated to his. To his, to his owner. In 1924, a professor called uh, Hidesaburu Ueno uh, had a dog who would come and meet him at the exact same time every day after work for nine years at Shibuya Station. It's kind of like Leicester Square, basically. Well, did he know the dog? Yeah, it was his dog. Oh, okay, right. Well, sorry, that is Hello. Yeah. It's not like that dog and the dolphin. The dog and the dolphin <laughs> yeah. that we saw last, last week. <laughs> anyway, one day uh, the professor died and didn't appear at the station for obvious reasons because he was dead. And for the next eight years, Hachiko would repeat uh, this pilgrimage every single day. He'd just turn up at Shibuya Station, wait for this professor. The professor wouldn't turn up. Uh, even though you know he just never uh, returned, and it wasn't—he wasn't a small dog, you know. Uh, uh, Shibuya Station, even back then, will have been incredibly busy. Yeah, and you know he'd be getting kicked and pushed and just get out of the bloody way, sort of thing. Uh, but eventually, in uh, 1932, in the Asahi Shimbun. Uh, Shimbun means newspaper and mm. uh, Asahi means morning sun. So the morning sun newspaper, one of uh, Ueno's uh, students, managed to get a piece published about this dog and its dedication to its fallen master. He'd basically researched that there were only 30 Akitas in, 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 that remained in the world, basically. Or, really? or certainly in Japan. So... Uh, Hachiko uh, was basically this, this kind of like symbol of, of, of one of the few uh, Akitas still, still remaining. And he became a national sensation. His faithfulness to his master's memory uh, impressed all the people in Japan because it was like a 
you know, sign a family loyalty sort of thing. And uh, it was something that everyone wanted to achieve, or, or, or the government certainly thought that, that, that people should strive to achieve it. Not only to, like, the government, but, like, also <laughs> loyalty to the emperor and stuff like that. Yeah. So teachers and parents used Hachiko's Vigil as an example for children to follow. Uh, a well-known Japanese artist rendered a sculpture of the dog and throughout the country. A new awareness of the Akita brew, uh, brew, uh, breed grew so that pretty much like everybody wanted this dog everyone wanted their version of Hachiko uh, and a statue of the dog was erected in 1934 at Shibuya Station it's still there oh cool you can still meet at it it's like kind of like You've a meeting there. it's kind of like a meeting point yeah, yeah I've You've got a picture it, yeah. I'll, I'll post a picture of uh, uh, of me in front of Hachiko but uh, it's, it's such a busy station but it's a great p- place to uh, meet and uh, Hachiko attended the unveiling that was a bit weird <laughs> the dog just looking at a statue of himself yeah what must he have been thinking that's not what's going on yeah that's not what's uh, going on but he died, sadly, a year later of cancer and a parasitic worm. But his legacy dictated that although food was scarce in wartime Japan, uh, and although uh, it was a very large breed of dog and quite yeah. unhelpful, the, the houses are tiny there. Basically, it was the one breed that, pr- that thrived because it represented something larger. It, it represented hope in wartime Japan. Yeah. So, uh, And in, in 1994... Uh, the Nihon uh, Cultural Broadcasting uh, Corporation in Japan was able to find a recording of Hachiko barking. Someone had recorded it onto an old record, but it actually snapped in half. How and why did that, that happen? Well, I, well, I don't know. If, if it's the world's, if it's Japan's most famous dog, could be any dog, though, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it was labelled Hachiko. So some, the, point, the point is, if someone says to me, "This isn't the original, original recording of the Beatles," right? It's been unfounded. <laughs> Sorry, that's been unfound. Yeah, I reckon I could tell if it's the Beatles or not. It's a dog barking. Well, I think there's a certain level of trust. It doesn't bark like Sean Connery. <laughs> I mean, you don't even know it's that dog. Hold on, this is Hatchikor. This is what? a heartwarming story, so oh, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be childish about it. That sounds great. Yeah, but and, like and 59 so, years after his death in 1994, th- like millions of radio listeners tuned in just to hear that bark. That's great. Isn't that incredible? It's really good. That dog has changed the country. Well, it it, it saved its own species, effectively, because there was only a few left, and everybody wanted a Hachiko dog. How many Akitas are in the world now? What have you done this week? That's what I would say. Not that. Nothing (laughs) nothing that good. Have you saved humanity, is the question. Well, I'll tell you what, my character in Star Wars may well do. Yeah, on a very civil servant-y kind of level. On an administrative level. All the parts add up to the whole. Boring. (laughs) You're a boring spaceman, and I hate you. (laughs) Here's a jingle. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Hello, we're we, back. We just had a debate off air. Yeah. Uh, but we, we'll keep it to ourselves. We'll keep it to ourselves. Um, it's email time, isn't it? And, and, and I think... It's email time, guys. But, but you suggested to me earlier that what we should do is... Um, well, what was mentioned a number of weeks ago now, actually, and we just Eat got the around, rich. We, no. <laughs> Eat the rich. No, that's, that's next week. We just got <laughs> around to t- tallying up all the emails, because one, we get loads, and yes. aren't we popular? Way for, well, hey for us. And secondly, because we're quite bad at admin, we've only yeah. just managed to put together all the emails about people who've had particularly bad jobs. Yes. Because that was mentioned a few weeks ago. So it's, we're a, it's, do a, a, it's, a, it's a bad job special this week. It is going to be a bad yeah. employment special. Bad so babies. Um, let's Let's look forward to that. Um, <laughs> should I go first, or do you want to go first? You go first, because I'm oh, still okay. sniffy. Okay, right. Uh, this is from Dave. Um, oh, it, Dave, what's going on, mate? It is very good when people just say Dave, because it obviously sounds like the email's going to be particularly incriminating. <laughs> uh, he says, hello, after hearing you discussing rubbish jobs, particularly from youth, I thought I would share mine. While probably not the most disgusting contribution you'll get, I was tasked with two summers of counting power station stock, which included even the minutiae of tiny individual nuts, bolts, and screws. I didn't find that job too bad, but in my third summer of working there, I was promoted to cleaning seagull droppings, uh, or scurry shite, as it was locally known, Ugh. off a series of enormous gas turbines, a job which hadn't been done since the first seagull unclenched its manky wee hoop inside the generator room. <laughs> Give me the counting any day. So literally... Dave has opened this with a gambit about cleaning up shit from a turbine. He says that's not the worst email we get. I mean, it's, it's up there, isn't it? Clean up seagull shit for a, for a living. It's not, it's not a job you would choose, is it? <laughs> no, but what I would say is cleaning anything is quite satisfying. Mm. You've got a dirty turbine. How do you know? I've seen your flat. You've got, I've got a lot of bird shit around. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a dirty turbine. The turbine needs to be cleaned, and it, you clean it, and, you know... Well, the it's thing thankless is, because the birds come back in and shit, but I mean, still. But you're right about cleaning. There is a sense of... It's very much like when I fit in my car stereo. It's a sense of achievement. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. nothing achieving... There's no sense of achievement about doing this, is there? No, what, about doing, recording this podcast? No. <laughs> No. Because people could do without it, couldn't they? People could do without it. And, and they do. do. Yeah, millions <laughs> Look at those sling figures. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no, I think, I think there is a sense of achievement there, and that's fair enough. Well, well done, Dave, for uh, cleaning those turbines, and I hope that those turbines appreciated it. <laughs> I'm just imagining two giant domes that he's uh, cleaning. The next, um, that's not a turbine, is it? A turbine's like well, a... Well, a turbine will have a housing, won't it? I suppose so, yeah. Like a round housing. Uh, um, the next around. email you're going to read is from um, Alex in New Zealand. Hello, Alex in New Zealand. And I've I've got, um, I've got, I used to live in New Zealand, and um, I'm not sure if I should really be saying this on the air, but I don't think they can get me now. Um, I was there without a work permit. Uh, Luke. Yeah. You could retrospectively get in the New Zealand slammer for this. And that's why I didn't have a job while I was there. <laughs> what did you do over there? Oh, well, basically... What imagine, was, well, oh, sorry. Imagine if you were there legally, what would you do? Well, a friend of mine was in New Zealand without a work permit. Right, okay, and, yeah. And uh, what this friend did Killed is, him, is um, he knew that he wasn't able to go for interviews because he couldn't get the requisite paperwork right. to present. Right. Okay. So what this friend did is he got another friend to go to the interviews, uh, one of one of said interviews which he achieved the job, which right. is working as a barman, uh, and he uh, 
sorted all the paperwork out. Yeah. And then this other friend went to the job pretending to be him. Right, wait, hang on. I mean, this isn't like the footballer Charles Azogbia getting somebody to do his driving test for him. This is somebody... How can you be... Presumably they're being interviewed by the same person who they're going to be well, working with. Uh, no word of a lie. It worked. It worked. Incredible. And, and um, the only diff- problem was the person had to use another person's name. So you... what? So that... Per- sorry, that person... <laughs> Was known as a as a different name right the way through. Yeah, it got it got tricky after a, after a little bit. What was the name? Ended up quitting what because it is too what, difficult. What because the they, were call, they were calling the name and the person wasn't responding. Yeah. I feel like Aria in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> a man has no job. <laughs> Just a bag full of latex yeah. masks. And um, so what? Uh, so what was the name that that, that person were, assumed? James. James. Yeah. Home James and and there was another situation. Seriously, Holmes, you are in so much trouble. Potentially, potentially more uh, incriminating than that, yeah. involving the uh, adaptation of a passport. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? You changed the passport? I'm not saying I did. Sorry, that, no. somebody modified a passport. It, it was rumoured that that may have happened at one point. Did uh, I? Uh, I also had a job doing. So this, this is no word of a lie. I, I. This is one. This one is about me. I had a situation where I got a cash in hand job, right? Which didn't have to have any papers being provided. Yeah, it's still illegal. <laughs> yeah, well, fine. <laughs> right. I expect it was. But I, I, the statute of limitations is probably gone now. It's years yeah. ago. Um, and no word of a lie. I got into a car. Uh, they drove me to like an industrial estate way outside of the city right. with a holdall full of um, kitchen scissors <laughs> in plastic. You know, that's really hard to open plastic right, um, yeah, 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 casing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably about the, 30, ir- the irony is not lost. No, exactly. 30 or 40 pairs of kitchen scissors right. and was told to sell them all. And to I, who? And I could have, just to businesses. Right. Just go into, walk into an office. All right, I'm scissor man. Yeah, so genuinely. I go into, and I'm sell James Scissorman. And they said, if you sell them all, We'll give you your 50- kids back. We'll give, no, <laughs> no. They said if you sell them all, we'll give you fifty percent of the money. Right. Uh, and I sold them all and sold the bag and didn't go back and just kept all the money. Luke, I know. That, I mean, that's 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 pretty crafty. That's pretty decent. But yeah. you should not be an intergalactic senator. I know that for no, a fact. No, no I, I, that's probably going to stop That's going to come against you, that yeah, is. That's, that's going to be an investigation. I, I, <laughs> a, sele- I a select committee investigation. Fantastic. That's mm. fascinating. I sold the bag as well. Don't forget that. It's an important detail. Who did you sell the bag to? But the worst thing about it was, I can't remember exactly who the bag was sold to, but the worst part of the day, without question, because I started about eight in the morning, and I didn't finish till way, way, way late. Um, I didn't what what was your selling style? All right. Just, get, just, I mean, just get into a conversation with people. I'm actually not a bad salesman. I get into a conversation <laughs> with people and that stuff. Oh, wash your scissors. And to be honest, it's not like you're sitting on the car. It's like a $5 yeah. pair of scissors. I mean, it's easy enough. But um, the worst part of it without question was like halfway through the afternoon. I was, I was really skinny. I didn't have any money for food or anything for lunch. Right. And you know how much I like my lunch. Um, at one point, I tried to sell a load of scissors to this office. Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't having it. And that's the other trick about saying so you might threaten them with it. You just got you just got to stab stab a motherfucker. No, you just got to um, you just <laughs> got to run. Know when you beat and go on to the next thing, right? But I, I, I had no dice at all with this with this particular office. And as I was walking back, a woman, uh, a fairly attractive, like slightly older than me, woman, as I was walking off, just said to her friend, oh, "What a terrible way to have to earn a living." And I was like, "Oh god, that's a low point." <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that, that's the, Alex from 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 Gisborne in New Zealand is about to tell you about his job, but that's my New Zealand job. Really. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, speaking about passport modifications, did you see? Uh, I retweeted a uh, picture of an old style Italian passport uh, where you could be a little bit more uh, laissez-faire with uh, how you looked in them. 
Oh, really? It's a, basically, it's a guy in a, like a, uh, I guess a Stetson or like a, a decent hat, an overcoat. He's reading a newspaper and smoking a tab. What, in the fog? In the fog. <laughs> That's amazing. That's back in the day. That's so good. You know, um, <laughs> at one point, um, I remember dealing with an immigration lawyer. Right. Because obviously my wife's not from the UK. Yeah. And um, one of the options that we were exploring was getting an Italian passport. Yeah. And our lawyer um, advised us to investigate that avenue. Yeah. And um, so I th- we did that. And it turned out that she wasn't eligible for an Italian passport. And um, I called the lawyer up to tell him, and he went, Really? You're not eligible for an Italian passport? <laughs> like, he's like, I'm pretty sure you've got to do a bit of spell the way Italy for that. <laughs> so I think they are a, bit, a little bit, that's fair. Well, a lot of uh, countries in uh, Europe, like uh, Malta's, you can, you can buy, if you buy a house for like 100 grand, I think you can get a free passport or something like that. They're, it is a big business, that kind of thing. Right. There's more, there, are, there are loads more um, Irish passports around than there are Irish citizens. I know that for a fact. There you go. Have a bit of that. They dish them out like sweets, mate. <laughs> but the, the thing is, if you're trying to get into the UK based on that, good luck because you, with Brexit, so anyway miserable go. anyway mm. Alex hello Alex uh, he's uh, he's from Gisborne Gisborne in New Zealand uh, he works out there as a veterinary surgeon via Cardiff and Pontypridd I love the idea of a, of a guy in Gisborne guy of Gisborne guy of Gisborne like, um, who is when a vet- we built beach who, who when we when we beach you, you finished with that yeah you're when done you. um yeah. <laughs> 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 he's living in Gisborne right which is right. in Way out on the northeast coast of right. New Zealand, right? Out in the sticks. Anywhere outside of Auckland is out in the sticks, by right. definition. Okay. And he's listening to this show. I love it. Yeah. It's great. Well, maybe he's got very limited yeah, options. Maybe sell a few of your mates, let's get the numbers up. Yeah. Maybe sell them a s- s- Basically, uh, he's had his fair share of questionable employment back in the day that saw him scratching around for a shekel or two. Over the years, I have cleaned toilets in a hospital. Nappy gate was a low point. Served drinks with my arse out to drunken ladies. Is that like a kind of sexy butler kind Great, of thing? Great, that sounds good. Uh, stacked shelves, made pizzas, pulled pints, and driven a tractor on a pig farm, to name but a few. The lowest ever in my employment history, however, must have been my time working for a promotions company in the West Country. The setup was as follows. My two female friends were dressed in sexy cat suits and would wander around a given town centre on a Saturday night <laughs> handing out flyers for a sponsored club event. I was in tour dressed in a giant 15-foot inflatable Corona bottle costume which stayed inflated by my backpack-mounted fan. The arms and legs were so restrictive that I could barely manage a shuffle and had to be led by the hand by each of the girls. The real kicker was that the small piece of uh, mesh in the front of the bottle uh, only allowed me to see, well, a very small amount as yeah. I was blindly led around raucous town centres on a Saturday night. Being the West Country, most of our destinations house rugby teams and it was standard procedure to uh, hear the cry of nail that fucking bottle! <laughs> a word to that effect as I brace myself for the unseen rib-breaking spear tackle that would invariably follow. <laughs> that Fantastic. is unbelievable, isn't it? I often look back on these days and think how pleased I am not to have to stoop to these levels to earn a few quid anymore. That said, a very angry dog crocodile rolled at work last week, sending explosive diarrhoea into my face and mouth. <laughs> Wow. I mean, do you walk out at that point when you've got dog shit in your mouth? Which is worse? Which is worse? <laughs> Imagine yeah. a, a dog loose about the Corona, corona uh, bottle uh, costume. That would be... Shitting everywhere. That would be worse. You'd need a fan then, wouldn't you? I was, wow. I was genuinely interested to know whether Alex would prefer to, at that point to have gone back to his uh, backpack-mounted fan <laughs> and Corona bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, dog shit in your mouth. Do you want another one? Hatchico poo. Yeah, go on, carry on. Um, oh, yeah. Could yeah. Be, was it an Ikea dog? Was it an Ikea dog? Maybe it was. Um, Greg has been in touch saying, Hi, chaps. Hey. After enjoying the chat on the show about summer jobs... 
I wanted to contribute my own nightmare experience. Despite not being cut out for any type of manual labour, I got a job delivering white goods via a friend of the family. I've also been in this situation before, Greg. I've, I'm not cut out for manual labour at all. Right. And I, had, I did a bit of work as an electrician's labourer once, and it was awful. Um, he said, the job itself was actually okay, but one delivery will always haunt me. It was for a fridge to a flat in a local town, bring in the new one, take out the old one for a bit of extra cash, standard job. He said, however, on arriving at the flat, myself and the other summer worker delivering the fridge from the truck were greeted by a man in a dressing gown at 3pm. To walk- be fair, I've got sleeping patterns that dictate that I frequently see the Hermes delivery man in my pants. And, I mean, you know, that, that's fine. Based on what happens in a minute, I mean, it could have been you, Pete. As, as we walked into his flat, it became pretty clear that something was up. The walls, all of the walls, were covered from top to bottom with newspaper cuttings of female celebrities. Odd in itself... However, every single photo had the eyes cut out. Oh, no. Walking into the kitchen slash bedroom slash living room, things got even worse when the newspaper cuttings made way for a massive swastika painted on the wall (laughs) while piles of porn mags were stacked all over the floor. Wow. I'll never forget the look of horror on my workmate's face as we dropped off the new fridge and loaded up the old one as quickly as we could. The guy offered us a cup of tea, but for obvious reasons we got out of there sharpish, practically running down the stairs carrying a fridge which stank. (laughs) Getting into the van, we slowly opened the old fridge, terrified about the potential contents, and were relieved, is slightly confused, to find it was packed with empty plastic shopping bags. God. It genuinely felt like we were walking into a horror movie. Especially given how relaxed the guy was about letting us into to his flat as it was completely normal. He did tip us a fiver, though, so, you know, not all bad. We did ask about reporting him to the police, but the head of the warehouse told us to mind our own business. He bought a decent fridge <laughs> off us. And that was that. Oh, great. <laughs> See, uh, the, the, uh, the head of the warehouse there thinking of the big picture. <laughs> good up. He says, keep up the good work, Greg. I mean, that, that is, is something else, isn't it? Incredible, yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time that uh, workmen were working on uh, in, in uh, the building of my old radio station, uh, just in Leicester Square? I mean, if you know radio, you can probably figure out which company it is. Right. Because there's only two companies in town, really. But. Right. Uh, they uh, were doing some work on the sixth floor next to the cafe, uh, which was staffed by uh, an older gentleman, a younger uh, woman, and a younger still lad. Uh, anyway, he probably wasn't the, the sharpest tool in the box, uh, and I'm presuming it belonged to him, because basically some workmen were doing some work on a cavity wall. Uh, they opened up the wall with saws and stuff because they're fitting some pipes or whatever <laughs> and they find uh, about like you know like a ream of A4 paper yeah so you know probably about thick two, yeah two Can't and a half inches yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so imagine four of those right printouts photocopies of women's parts not like sexy women just bikinis vaginas just that part of the body. Right. The nethers. So he cut that out. I, I, I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying it was probably him. Well, in the wall? In the wall. So there was just like about three or four reams of paper, photocopied uh, pornography. Yeah. But not of anything else apart from the crotches of women. Right. Very strange. That is, that is specialist. That is, isn't it? I mean, I mean, that is a bit specialist. Uh, but I just remember looking at it on like a uh, like a trolley where the blokes had taken it out the wall and thinking, "I love that." Yeah, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah. I was like, "What is that? What?" I had I had an experience once when I worked at a place um, 
that may or may not be geographically close to that. <laughs> uh, and, uh, was it the same building? Uh, well, it didn't happen in the building, so I don't have okay, to ask right. that. But I won't name the person, the persons involved. <laughs> but there was a situation once where we went to the pub after work, and uh, one of the one of the bosses there, I won't name him either because it wouldn't be fair, uh, said, "Look, go get yourself over to the pub." Right. It was like a Friday night or something. Get yourself over to what's, the pub. What's his name? Uh, does it have three letters in it? No. Right, okay. No, it wasn't, no. <laughs> uh, and the, he said, I'd take, take the company credit card. Okay. Um, because, oh, actually, this is reminding me of something else. The problem is you are a bit of a naughty boy. Like, well, yeah. you, you, you get away with what you think you can get away well, with. Well, check before I tell that story, let me just tell you another one quickly, because he's reminded me of it. So he, this guy, I, I really liked him. He's a great guy to work for. Right. And he gave me his credit card and said, uh, there was something that needed to happen with um, with a load of CDs. So this dates it. Right. So they needed to buy a load of CDs, like like a hundred of them or something, of a certain type of CD. Right. Uh, from the shop um, across like an HMV or something and he said look give me he said give me uh, get me these CDs but don't use the company credit card use my own one because I want the air miles because I'm going on holiday okay and I want to claim them I'll claim it it back anyway right so okay fine and and he gives me um, his credit card and 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 the pin number Right, <laughs> he sends me over to HMV or whatever it was, and I had to buy a hundred of these CDs. Yeah. Right? It, bear in mind, you know the geographical location we're in. It's a busy area, and uh, I get to the front with these two baskets full of these CDs. Right, <laughs> and, I, and I get to the front and I buy these CDs, and it flashes up as a, an irregular purchase. Oh well, I'll show you. Right, and obviously right. I'm not the credit card holder, <laughs> so they 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 don't say anything. Yeah. They go around, they ring, make, make a phone call. And they hand the phone over to me and go, excuse me a second, you just answer a few questions. Oh, no. And they start asking me questions about this guy. Yeah. And I, I, I obviously, I mean, I was obviously a lot younger than I am now. And, I, you know, even in my, in those days, I wasn't a credit card fraud committer. Un- so, un- unless those questions are pertaining to what that man looks like. Well, listen. <laughs> That's limited knowledge, well, really. Well, yeah, exactly. So, that, so I say, look, I'm, I'm not a credit card holder. I'm, I'm buying these for, for someone else. And, and no word of a lie. Yeah. They say, okay, wait here, please. Um, cut the credit card up in front of me. Wow. I know, right? And they and I, I assume they're about to call the police. So right. I call him and say, look, you've got to come over here. Something bad's happened. <laughs> and to be fair to him, he came over and he was like, you know, he sorted it all out. And he didn't blame me. They shouldn't for- have cut that, the credit card. Well, no, it's bad, right? Yeah, that's bad. bad. Anyway, that happened. But the point I was going to make, and that was awkward, right. but the point I was going to make is, is, is this same guy, he sends uh, his credit card over to the bar opposite the, the, the place we work and he says, look, I'll be over here in a minute. Uh, I'm just finishing up. Was yeah. this after or before the CD debacle? I can't remember. He's actually. very free with his. I know, uh, right? He's le- if it's after, he's not learned his lesson. <laughs> anyway, he sends a credit card over. It's happened again. But this is a bit different, right? Because he's like, put the credit card behind the bar. Um, presumably, he's going to do it as like a team build on top right, of the yeah, back yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to be there in like an hour. Yeah. So it's fine. So he puts the credit card behind the bar, right? This guy he gives the credit card to him. It wasn't yeah. me. I'll, I will tell you who it was. It wasn't me. <laughs> and uh, it, anyway, we start getting beers. And, and, he, and after a while, he's not, he's not turned up. He's like, he obviously got held up at work and something's yeah. happened. So we're there for like a good couple of hours. Yeah. And we're all quite, quite, I guess, quite pissed by that point. And this one guy, who I can't remember who it was, but he was obviously a bit of a dickhead, he starts buying all these um, Sambucas, yeah. which is a bit of a piss take. I yeah, mean, the guy's yeah, getting yeah, you, yeah, buying yeah, you a few yeah. beers. As he gets a tray of Sambucas, the guy walks in Uh-oh. and sees him, right? Yeah. And he and he, he just taps him on the shoulder, measures him. He, he like um, he gestures for him to put the tray of sambucas down, right? Yeah. Rips his shirt open, rips his own shirt open, starts wrestling him on the floor, like pins him on the floor, and once he's pinned him on the floor, grabs like a shot of sambuca, necks it, and goes, "Don't do that again." <laughs> ah! It's brilliant! Wow, it's such a good effort. Can I dip the mics and go? It did. It was three letters. 
Well, it's not really his name, though, is it? Well, it's no, a nickname. It's anyway, yeah, I, like, was, I like that guy too. That's not a worst job story, but it is a fairly interesting one. So <laughs> best, I'll, I'll move on to a, story. I'll move on to David in Atlanta. Okay, bit of an Atlanta heavy uh, series of shows. You love though. a bit of Atlanta. You've been, I've been. David's there now. The Walking Dead are walking the earth. He says David. Out there. He says David in Atlanta again. I'm sorry, David. I have to be honest. I don't remember your, your last email. Mm. Um, he says you guys mentioned wanting stories about worst jobs, but I couldn't help sending this note in about what must be the best job ever. For a number of years, I worked at the corporate headquarters of one of the largest hotel companies in the world. While working there, I met a guy with the best job. He said, in every industry, companies want to gather intel on their competitors, and the hospitality industry is no different. Mm. This guy was responsible for gathering such intel on the luxury resort market, basically. He says his job consisted of flying around the world, experiencing the service at competitors' five-star resorts. (sighs) He would have to visit their spas order room service, get in-room massages, try out all the activities, including things like guided walks, parasailing, etc. He was also required to maintain his platinum status with all the competitors so he could know that he was always getting the best service. Right. So an extra perk was that his membership to all these loyalty programs were in his name so he could use the status and the points when travelling with his own family. Why would he even travel with his own family? <laughs> <laughs> Why has he got a family? I'm all hollered, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could see why, you know, the missus and the kids were wanting to get involved, but the, I mean... The problem is, I, I don't want to put the kibosh on this because it's a great story. Mm. I think, though, I suspect the type of person that would do this sort of job would have to be quite boring. Because otherwise you'd just abuse it, wouldn't you? Yeah, but also, I mean, also, you know, travel takes it out of a person, and I think after a while it would actually be quite... A, difficult job Which Mark, the, I, I know somebody who uh, oh, I can only do it for a maximum work, 10 years <laughs> works for like MTV and she is always posting pictures of her in like some fucking lounge in, on, on Instagram and stuff and to be fair like the, the frequency is insane and everyone's going oh my god I can't believe you you know you're flat jetting off to fucking Dubai and America for all these like junkets and stuff like it's only ever like three or four days at a time. It's only ever this and that. I like, it, I think it would take it out on anyone to be. What honest. have you got to like, complain about there, though? Just be, like just not having a settled life. You got a mate who's you know involved in uh, high end hi fi, and he finds it difficult. You said all so, over like, the world, yeah. yeah. But he, his is ridiculous. Though. I think he goes. The thing, I, the thing about his is that he's a really, really like worldly wise guy. Yeah. Based on that, because he's literally been to every country. I mean, I think he's been to like a hundred countries or something. Yeah. But the biggest issue I think is that um, although he gets first class lounges, right. he doesn't get anything on economy travel. Right. So if yeah. he and and and, and I, I was speaking to him a while back actually. I've seen him fairly regularly. He's a good pal. But when I last saw him, he was like, "Oh yeah, I've got to do." Eight days in Auckland, then I'm back for three days. Then I'm going four days in India. Then I'm back for four days. I'm going to China. It's like it just seems it's, like it's yeah. relentless. I, I do get that part of it, but on on this guy's job here, the, the hotels guy, I just think you have to be dull because otherwise you're going to end up. You know, you're going to oh yeah, I thought I better just try every bottle of champagne in the bar <laughs> to make sure that it was all right. You know, and someone like you, Pete, you'd be you'd be sacked instantly. I'd buy like some interesting things. Well, quite. That is one <laughs> way of interesting things. But, it, but, yeah, but to be honest, when it comes to uh, room service, if I don't like bugging people, the only thing, my most extravagant request in a hotel will usually just be an iron. Okay, right. It, it annoys me. It really gets on my nerves if a place doesn't have an iron. Yeah. I mean, or they've no, already got limited irons. Or, no, they, or, they, or they make you bring it back. It's like you should have at least enough irons. Every, every hotel's got an iron. Yeah, some of them have ironing rooms, though. Okay, Some of the right. lower, lower, he- lower heel ones. So the sort of ones that we used to go on tour in. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, um, yeah. I was going to say to you, the old conundrum about, um, I've never ever flown anything other than premium, basically. Right. 
I mean, anything above premium, sorry. Right. Um, so I've never done business class or first class. Right. And the old conundrum I always think about is if you're someone who's not able to fly that very often, yeah. and say you're doing a... So you're flying to the US, right? So yeah. you, I, when I was in Atlanta, obviously you fly, I think it's eight and a bit hours there mm. during the day, and it's about seven and a half overnight on the way back. Yeah. If you could only afford to do business class, say, once, would you do the night to get the sleep, then you miss the service... Or let's say first class, not business class. So yes, would you do it, do it overnight so you get the sleep, mm. not the service, or would you do it during the day so you get the service but not the sleep? I think that it, I always I do spend a lot of my time watching YouTube videos of like people who do a lot of business trips first class. Yeah. So they rate different kind, you know, Emirates first class, which is just insanity. Yeah. Uh, you yeah, get a shower and all that wank, and it's, yeah. just, it's just it's just insane. They got walk up bars, some of them. Yeah. They? Well, yeah. You know, it's, you know, you're talking like go to a bar anyway, uh, mate. You know, anyway, <laughs> you can go like you know twenty grand for a flight something, but. I was for a good year and a half, two years. I think I made the most of it. I'm almost certain. I certainly did compared to everybody else who was also on it. Uh, friends and family. I was on Friends and Family for uh, British Airways. Okay. And it was the best year and a half of my goddamn life because you could get I used to fly to Tokyo quite a lot because uh, I bomb it. And uh, business class flight with a bed was um, sorry, 400 quid something like that That's good. Friends, which was just insane so, so if you so if you flew overnight in business or first would you get your head down or would you stay up and take advantage of everything well you're not really I mean to be honest I mean it's, it, you, you pay for the bed really aren't you? I mean the services you get your nice food and you get it earlier than everybody else Yeah. and then you wake up and they serve you a little bit more food but I, th- I mean first class is probably a different situation altogether. who knows we get in oh. touch hello at Luke and Pete show at Luke especially and if you're a PR yeah. for uh, an airline yeah, we, would, we would listen if you want to talk about your experiences we will absolutely do that we will test them out we will just take the bird up fly it around a few the times bird. take us down take us back down again yeah have you seen there's a new uh, website where you can uh, if someone's got like a little uh, two man plane little prop plane and they happen to be you know getting their air miles flying you know to I don't know, Swindon or something and flying back again you can get and sit in uh, and use it as a, as a travel basically it's a website that, that links pilots mm. who have little prop planes and uh, punters who need to be somewhere Right. So, what sort of range are we talking about? Well, you can get to like Amsterdam, or it's mainly like Newcastle, like people flying from London to Newcastle. But it's always like Bedford Airport. So it's always yeah. like airports out in the sticks, Southampton to uh, Bristol, stuff like that. So like these two little two man planes. It's a good uh, idea. It's a good idea. Would you be up for it? Yeah, my first flight. I, I first flew when I was twenty five, but not technically. I actually flew when I was about fourteen. Uh, my dad took me up. I think he's a bit drunk. Uh, oh, took me up in uh, in York in on one of those two end planes. Well, he flew it. No, he didn't fly it. He wasn't drunk. Like, they wouldn't fly... So it can't have been two-man plane. It must be a three-man plane. Yeah. But uh, he was in the back and I was in the front uh, and he let me have a go on the, uh, the... The pilot let me have a go. But that was my first flying experience. Was which that your it, inspiration to become a pilot? Which, <laughs> which you failed to achieve. Which is a lot... Uh, you know, it's a pretty risky and kind of gutsy first flight, I think. And then after that... When you're forced, was, you don't care. Yeah, do you? I know, I know. He's like, oh, I trust Dad. Yeah. Never trust Dad. <laughs> Never trust Dad. Now you know him as an adult. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, <laughs> I trust him now. There's also um, companies that match you up with private jets. Russian, Russian wives. They're trying to be relocated, aren't they? Well, um, what do you mean? So, like, so like, say there's like a private jet and needs to be somewhere. Oh, yes, you can, yeah, yeah. You can be relocated. It's still with bloody it. expensive. I'm sure it is. Yeah, you, look at, you look into it and you go, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, remember when I tried? We, uh, we were doing a football show down in Brighton, and I was doing something else, and I looked into uh, motorbike taxis. You did the thing you normally do, Pete, where you try to please everyone and end up pleasing no one. Yeah. And had to li- and chinning myself off massively, and, and I just I end up being a big ball of stress. And before you know it, you're in a situation where you are staring down the barrel of having to get a motorbike taxi across the country at a huge cost to yourself, rendering your fee for the show itself completely pointless <laughs> and being really stressed and sweaty. Yeah, it was... Uh, apparently there's only, like, uh, one company or two companies in London that can do motorbike taxis, which is interesting because... Gap in the market. Because of uh, brrr, Transport for London. So, oh, right, OK. So that they've got, like... Uh, yeah, they, they don't give many licences out for that kind of thing. What's the Transfer of London got to do with it? Well, I guess they give out licences for being taxi cabs, but uh, obviously it's you know it's a much riskier form of transport. Maybe they think it's going to be taking the trade away from those black cab drivers. Those bloody black cab drivers, eh? Anyway, that was a rambling email section. Whoa! Um, why don't we ask people to get in touch with yeah. us with hello at lukeandpeteshow.com Yeah. Um, with your more of your bad jobs uh, stories and even just interesting job stories, I guess. Yeah. Um, when we last time we did this, it was at the start of the series, and um, people started talking about poo quite a lot. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> other than that, get in touch with that, or indeed yeah. anything else you think may well have be, uh, be of interest. Well, why don't we uh, give uh, people a bit more extra Mencarta next week? Okay, because we've kind of over we've overstayed our welcome. Oh, we haven't got time for Mencarta. We yapped too much, to be quite frank. All so right. uh, yeah, maybe we'll go with uh, Dan Wainwright some Mencarta. Carter next week. I was looking forward to it as well. I, I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> short. No, wait, not short. Hello at lukeandpeteshaw.com. Yeah. You yeah. do so many different email shouts, you would get them mixed up. I think you might have done the, the one for Absolute Radio on stage with the Ramble once. Oh, yeah, I think I did, didn't yeah. I? Yeah, at Absolute Radio. <laughs> the Luke and Pete Show with the no repeat guarantee. <laughs> we don't repeat any this songs. Is, that is not a guarantee we can stick to. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.